Kelsey Steele some time. Here's the USL's Kelsey Steele. Welcome on to Steal Some Time, Kelsey Steele. Scott Stew on the mic. Our legend of a producer, Matt Calvo, is on a well-deserved vacation this week. So the one and only David Wright stepping in to make sure Scott and I don't severely screw this up this week. Uh, Dave, how's it going, my man? Sorry, I was on mute. (laughs) (laughs) The phrase of 2020. I think that's literally 2020's catchphrase for virtual things. Sorry, I was on mute. Yeah, sorry. This isn't. This is my one and only time on a podcast. So come uh, on, brother. It's going great. And steal some time of all podcasts. What a time for you, Dave. Yeah, the only way to go. <laughs> That's high praise. Wow. Well, we're glad to to have you with us today. I hope we make this an enjoyable experience for you. I know Matt talks um, super highly of Scott, and I. He loves working with us. So uh, I hope it, I hope it's enjoyable for you, Scott. You have yourself a nice weekend. I had a great weekend, Kelsey Steele. We um, we social distanced. We went out to Clearwater a little bit, got some good food. So, yeah, just ready to get life back to some sort of normalcy. I, I The good story, though, the mask, I get this condensation, so I need to install some, like, windshield wipers on the front of my glasses because I'm going to start, like, running into walls and tripping on the sidewalk, if not. Oh, my God. I almost fell into a tree this weekend because I can't see when it's raining and I have a mask on. Like, I can't – that doesn't bode well for me at all. So, Clearwater needs to be more, like, glasses-friendly. Last friendly. Okay, you put that request in. They're already the prettiest beach in America, and now you want them to be mask and glasses friendly as well. Yeah. You're asking a lot. Simple requests for me. I'm a simple man who needs just vision, really. I feel like every good story right now involves a mask. Like, I was going out to dinner, I think, on um, Saturday, and like, felt something in my back pocket. I was like, what the heck is this? And I pull out a mask, not only a mask, I swear to God, I've never seen this mask in my life. And I'm like, like, this is where we've come to. You now, like masks have now moved into like bobby pin territory for my girls who wear bobby pins um, and chapstick territory. Like you just find them everywhere. It's, it's so weird. And all necessary. All necessary. I love it. Mass talk aside, week five was a busy one uh, all the way around for USL Championship play. So we've got plenty of talking points on the show today, including another stellar performance by St. Louis's Tyler Blackwood. He's going to join us later in the show, so that's going to be a really good time. But before we get to Tyler, we have to talk about the other Tyler this week, which is the one and only Tyler Pasher. Who brought the sports world to their feet this week? Scott, take me through that moment for you when you saw Tyler Pasher's number one goal on SportsCenter Top 10 this past Wednesday. Yeah, rough week to be a Pittsburgh Riverhound. I think that's um they've they've had some hard breaks this week, but like I think um I, I, it's, it's hard for me to keep off social media my Tyler Pasher fandom, right? Like, I think that's that's become pretty apparent to all my Twitter followers that I, I enjoy watching him play soccer. I think he's not bad at it, trademark. So, um, yeah, Wednesday was just insane, right? Like, dying embers. Pittsburgh's riding this, like, 24-25 unbeaten home streak. And, like, who else? Honestly, literally, for Indy 11, who else is going to get the job done? I think it was 
Um, a little bit of luck, right? Like if you watch the, the slow-mo replay, the ball bounces just like maybe an inch off the ground enough for him to get lift on it and just send it to the top corner. But absolute pandemonium. Uh, my reaction, I think, probably scared at least one cat in my apartment. Um, and it was Wait, you're more than one cat now. Nah, I'm oh, not. Okay. Just, just the one that's over here. Um, but it, it got a little, you know, it, it, the, the energy went through the roof. I'll just say that because listen, anytime anything like that happens in the championship, we've talked multiple times already in our return to play about how many incredible goals we've seen scored. Um, Salim Muhammad obviously being one of them, but I think that that Pasher probably takes the cake a little bit for, I don't know. We'll, um, our goal of the season might be the most competitive ever given some of the candidates that we've had. And Pasher certainly adds his name to that list. You'll love to see it. I mean, Truly love to see it. Like we've been waiting four months for this and now we're gifted to within what, three weeks. I mean, it's, I we, thank you soccer gods everywhere for that. Uh, you speak about Pittsburgh and we talked, I think in, in week three about this hot start with, with Pittsburgh and, you know, is, are they going to be the team to watch? And I think we're going to see that roller coaster a lot with a lot of teams this season. Um, but they suffer two back-to-back losses. The first time that's happened for them since 2018, I believe July in 2018. Um, but to make it even worse for them, it's both losses come in that final minute of stoppage time, which is just a really tough pill to swallow if um, you're a Riverhound or Riverhound fan. Uh, is that a reflection to you of fatigue? You think – is that is that a these guys are just tired or is it just that little lapse in closing the game out? I think it's probably just like a really bad break on both. Oh, so none of the above. Like, well, I think the the New York situation is a little bit different, right? Because you concede an unnecessary penalty, and I think that that obviously lets them get back in the game. And that was like, I think you're probably looking at more not closing out. Against Indy, they were literally three seconds away. Like, had someone pulled Pasher back and just committed a professional foul 40 yards from goal, Indy lobs in a free kick that someone clears away and it's full time, right? But no one makes the professional play. And that's not really anything other than, and I'm sure, I'm sure Coach Lilly lit them up in the film room. Like, dude, just grab him by the shoulder. He's like five, six, 140 pounds. Like, just just push him. Let's get a gust of wind in here. But um, now that discredits how strong Pasher is. But but seriously, like, Pittsburgh was just a couple seconds away. I think Indy was just – it was a really tough break for them. New York's probably a little bit different. But um, Pittsburgh is still venomous, right? Like, they, they might have been hard done by these last couple weeks. But, again, I think that if I'm Coach Bob Lilly, thank God I'm not. Um, I think I'm probably just telling my team, like, listen, this is July – We'll take these in July. We won't accept anything like this in October. Heck of a line, Stu. Yeah, I'm just trying, you know. We're finally back in the swing of things. It, it makes me feel good to just talk a little bit of Pittsburgh Riverhounds SC soccer, I guess. There's like one line a week for, from you that really stands out. I think somebody has called you out each week on, on Twitter, too, with those, with at least one line that, that comes from the pod. Shout out to our loyal listeners. Um, I, I think when you look at later in the week as well, things worked out really well for Indy in that, that stoppage time 
uh, goal there with Tyler Pasher. And then, of course, kind of the opposite end uh, later in the week. Their perfect start does come to an end against St. Louis. And a St. Louis side, and especially Tyler Blackwood's side, that looks very good at at the moment. Um, he's gonna obviously going to have a lot of praise and a, a lot of really good things to say. So I don't want to spend too much time harping on um, St. Louis and, and Tyler Blackwood there. But um, quick thoughts for, from you from St. Louis out of the gate there. I, they're, I feel like they're really making it known that they want to be a force to be reckoned with in Group E. Yeah, they've been really surprising, right? Like I think in, in, a, in a good way, right? And that's I don't want that to sound like we were underselling our expectations of them, more just um, that's a huge win at West Community Stadium for them. Like for Indy to come in and – in many ways, it hurts Louisville, too, because with just the top two teams advancing out of the group, Indy taking those three points away from St. Louis, especially with them already being top of the group, would have helped Louisville. So instead, St. Louis goes and gets an important result for them while also sort of taking a small jab at the third-place team underneath them. I don't think I can overstate the significance of – even just a 1-0 grinded out result, right? But Blackwood's finish, holy cow. Like, the the poise it takes to be able to go cross your body like that, um, he's the real deal. We'll say that. Beautiful finish. Um, a few other beautiful finishes, though, coming out of uh, week five, one of those being Chris Weehan's finish uh, to help New Mexico to that win over El Paso on Friday. Devin, San- uh, Devin Sandoval also scoring in that game as well. But when I watched that set piece from New Mexico, I can't help but think, like, you know, you're watching this as a coach or whoever it may be, and you're like, they they perform this to perfection. Like they executed exactly how you would have, uh, you know, Charlie saying would have drawn that up. An absolutely beautiful set piece. If you haven't seen that with New Mexico and Chris Weehan eventually finishing that one, you have to go back and watch that because to a T, I feel like they executed that. It, it, that was a, an absolutely beautiful uh, piece done there by the New Mexico side. You got to love the the routines that come straight from the training ground, right? Oh. Like, and especially when, like, you can tell that's something that they've practiced for a long time and probably just kept in the back pocket until the right situation. Like, that, there's beauty truly in the beautiful game and when it comes to stuff like that happening. I do want to say uh, a big shout-out to Cody Mizell in that game against El Paso because he had – multiple incredible saves not one not two multiple um he was massive in that game uh between the posts and um should be incredibly proud of, of his performance definitely kept uh new mexico within that one and obviously helped them to the win so um i my new mexico i am truly so happy to gain those three points on the road also um but also who's on the road this week phoenix traveling to orange county Orange County gets a little bit of revenge there, gets that 1-0 win. Um, they drew, what was it, a week ago, <laughs> it feels mm-hmm. like. Uh, yeah, just just a week ago. Um, I know we've talked about this so many times. Aiden Quinn is such a massive piece of the puzzle when you look at um, Orange County. Complete. A serve is such a beautiful ball there um, for, for Sean O'Coley. And obviously his finish was fantastic, but I just think that there's so many natural instincts when it comes to Aiden Quinn. And he is such a valuable piece of that midfield. And I think when we look at this attack for Orange County. Yeah. And I think Aiden Quinn is one of those truly like players player, right? 
where his peers are the first ones to compliment him. And, and you can tell his class, like as a fan, and I'm sure obviously as a coach as well, but he was super highly talked about in Louisville. He was highly talked about in his next stop. He's obviously one of the pillars of Orange County now, and um, he's really helping drive forward that team, right? Like I think Orange County is going to be one of the coolest – I don't even know if you can put him in a dark horse category, but definitely one of the coolest, like um, low key front runners out West because they just have so many dynamic pieces. The danger with that is when you use the word dynamic, you obviously talk about strong and weak. So Orange County, and we talked a little bit about this last year, when are they going to be at their peak and when are they going to be not necessarily where they need to be to be right. able to put in a really good showing. Right. So um, we saw it in the 1-1 draw. We saw it in the 1-0. Um, but again, it's, it's – I feel like a broken record, but it's way – it's just so early for me to be able to say, like, yep, I'm counting Orange County in the Western Conference Final. Like, I don't – I don't know that we've been proven. The sample size is just not big enough yet. A massive talking point, I think, from that um, Orange County-Phoenix game has to be Santi Moore receiving that double yellow before the half. Um, and so just so everyone's aware, Orange County had already gone up one nil at that point. So um, that did not factor into the win, but um, Scott, from, from your angle, were you able to get an idea of what happened with that second yellow there with, with Santi? No, I wasn't, but I do think that it, it is significant that back-to-back weeks Phoenix has received a red card of some form in Orange County, right? They had Contour sent off the first time, Santi Moar gets sent off before half. Not only did you lose one of your most creative attacking players, but you're also just down to 10 men against a team that will knock it around and will tire you out. And obviously, I think it's, it's no secret to anybody who's paid attention to soccer that when you're down a man, <laughs> your job doesn't get easier by any stretch of the imagination. So um, I think that's probably just a, a discipline thing for Rick Schantz and his crew, right? Like we got to make sure that we don't, obviously circumstances are a little bit different. Contour gets a straight red in the first game for Santi. It's, it's two yellows, but even that it's like, we can't be giving our opponents any advantage. And that obviously includes us you know, sort of inflicting our own wounds there. So tough outing for Phoenix. I'll be the first one to say that I don't think that affects their long-term future or their ability to get results down the road. But if they end up traveling to Orange County in some scenario in which Phoenix does not win the West, we've obviously got at least two performances where history is not going to be on their side. It it just seems like the rivalry doesn't really end with Orange County. Like I, we've talked about this before, that it might seem like Orange County might see a bit it more of a rivalry than than Phoenix does. But after this week and these last two meetings, I would disagree at this point. I think that it is um, there. There's something to be proved when you go to Orange County, and and, and vice versa when you go to Phoenix. So uh, long live this Western Conference rivalry because I'm here for it. I I love the blood between between these two sides, and obviously there's some uh, matters still to be taken care of. Well, in Phoenix, like Phoenix is always going to have the target on their back. They've done yeah. that to themselves because of their continued success. That's sort of the beauty of being Orange County is you get to circle that date on your calendar in red a couple times, and then you really get to go after it. So, yeah, I mean, that's just the, the nature of the beast sometimes. Last note coming out of week five that I want to bring up is um, Louisville City getting that long-awaited victory at Lynn Family Stadium. 
kudos to those guys. Um, I think we'd be amiss not to mention San Diego and Charleston Battery getting their first um, home wins in their new homes as well. Um, obviously, we're not on the pitch for any of these games, but I can only imagine the amount of relief when it comes even even for the front office guys at, at that point um, just to get that first win under, under their belts. It, it's got to be huge, and it feels like you can kind of move on to that next step. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Especially from the like the front office side is you're truly not downplaying it, right? Like you walk in on Monday, it's a whole different scene on Monday between a win loss and a draw. You know, it's it's a game changer. It, it really is. Um, but when we uh, we're gonna take a quick break here, but when we come back, we're gonna be joined by St. Louis FC forward Tyler Blackwood. So he joined St. Louis midway through the 2019 season and has made a real impact on that side ever since Blackwood's having a heck of a start in this return to play too. So we figure why the not a uh, better time than ever to, to bring him on to the pod. And of course, anyone who knows Tyler knows that he has a lot of interests outside of soccer, including being a, a child's book author. So we're going to chat about all of that and more when steal some time returns. Hey guys, this is Mark Anthony Kay, and you're listening to Steal Some Time. All right, St. Louis FC's Tyler Blackwood joins us now. Tyler, how's it going? And, and happy belated birthday, by the way. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, it's gone well over here in St. Louis at the moment. It's gone very well. It's been a heck of a ride for you since the restart. And I mean, we'll get to those last two games specifically in a second. But at this point, we almost have a month under our belts in the return to play. So I'm curious for you, what has this whole restart experience been like? Um, the good thing about it is that no one's been through it. So um, everyone has been feeling a bit lost. It's everyone in the league that's feeling a bit lost about it. But all you can really do is focus on yourself individually and making sure you're ready when we were back. Um, obviously, the frustrating part was just not knowing when we were back. So mm -hmm. getting that uh, return to play date was, was massive for everyone. I spoke to a lot of boys around the league about it. It's just um, kind of a, a loss of identity during that time. You know, we're, we're football players and that's what we do. And we're meant to be doing that right now, but we're sitting at home. So it was tough, but um, there was a lot of learning during that time. And I'm just happy we're back playing now. And for the most part, this scheduling is something that you guys have never experienced in your professional careers. I mean, the amount of games that you're playing in such a limited amount of time, how have you felt that you guys have been dealing with that? Does it, does it feel like a lot? Um, it, our coaches and our, our staff are doing a good job of trying to kind of minimize workloads where they can and understand that it's going to be taxing on our bodies. Mm -hmm. um, but also, like, we're having to... I was speaking to a few guys the other day about because um, all the questions on Sunday were about the heat and the heat and the turf, how hot the turf was. I said, we've been training on that turf uh, day in, day out doing 11 v 11. And I was complaining about it, but it was getting us ready for that game. So this is our job. And we've been waiting for these, these games for three, four months now. So um, there's no complaints. We just want to get out there and get the job done. And you've really tackled it head on. Two goals in the last two games. I think that's nine regular season goals now um, for, for St. Louis. And you've played for a few championship clubs at this point with Phoenix, Sacramento, SKC. Do you feel like you've really started to find a home with this St. Louis club? Because your play is really reflecting that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a mixture of um, 
I think one of the biggest things, honestly, was being played as a number nine. I've, I've said it everywhere I've been. Um, I'm a number nine. If you play me as a number nine, I guarantee I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some return. But every year it seems to happen where I get put out wide or whatever. And I'm a team player, so I'm going to do that for the team. If we're winning, I have no complaints. But I, I know from a personal standpoint that my best position is as a number nine. So um, things didn't work out in Sacramento. Um, I love that place. I love the fans, the boys, the, the, the whole area. I love that place. However, it didn't work out. So I had to make a decision. Anthony Pulis, who was at St. Louis, um, he, was, he was adamant on um, bringing me in and playing me as a striker. And that's all the words I wanted to hear at that moment in time. So I came and he stuck to his word and, and trusted me with that. Um, and obviously, like, since I've been here playing as a number nine, I, my, my numbers speak for myself. And I've got to thank Steve as well for coming in and, and keeping me in that role as well. So I'm just very grateful that um, the opportunity came up and I'm happy I'm getting to prove that. After that win in Louisville a few weeks ago, you had a quote that um, I, I thought really spoke volume. So I want to reread it here. The quote is, I checked the odds before the game, five to one underdogs. I think they underestimate our team a lot. Everyone talks about Indy and Louisville, but we're the boys this year. Do you feel like St. Louis deserves to be a part of, of that conversation as a Group E frontrunner? I think it's ridiculous if we're not in that conversation. I mean, but for a, a four-team league, everyone should be in the conversation. I just really didn't like the way it was, okay, those two from that group, all right, move on. No one was, was thinking this is going to happen. And, I said it, we're just getting started. We're, we're still not running at 100%. We're, we've been out for months and we're just slowly starting to get that chemistry back and uh, the understanding on the field. So um, I think we're just seeing the, the start of it as well. Well, and it sounds like you guys are really finding what works for you. I mean, for the first time in a while, you're getting put in a position where you will excel, where that's your happy place. Do you feel like everyone being kind of put in those pieces is kind of bringing this puzzle together? Yeah, I, I think I was speaking to my dad about it because um, as a striker, you want chances on goal and I haven't necessarily been getting those chances. Um, I've just been, I've managed to capitalise on the ones I have got. Um, but slowly, I can see in training day by day that the boys are starting to understand each other a bit more and our tendencies and where the runs might be. And um, like I said, if we had a 30-game season, then uh, I think we would put up some crazy numbers, but we're going to do that in this uh, 16 games instead. It makes a huge difference. And we saw that work out against the game this past week in Indy. And after that game, in fact, you had some fans that you greeted after the game, socially distant, of course, who had created the funniest painting. I don't even know if that's the right word, um, TIFO for you on your birthday weekend. So Tyler, I, the fans need to know where do the, the short shorts come from? Because it is your staple at this point. <laughs> I, think I wasn't even thinking about it the first time I'd done it. I think it was just during a game. And I maybe it's my European side, just the, the tight fit clothes. I'm not sure. But I just feel a lot more comfortable in that when I have that, I don't know, than the shorts like that. It was just a comfortability thing. And then a few fans started pointing it out. And I was like, oh, gosh, this has become a thing. Um, and then I didn't see that typo until I actually came off. And I was just trying to watch the last couple of minutes of the game and then um, I got tapped on the shoulder and I turned around and saw it. I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. So that's the, I think that's the first one that's ever been made of me for sure. So it was, it was really, really fun to see.
It was sick, and it was it was really well done. I was yeah. very impressed. <laughs> yeah. You're you're so active outside of the pitch as well. And last year, obviously, you, you made a ton of noise with your children's book, Clive the Croc, who who lost his chomp. So I'm curious here, what inspired you to not only write a book but a children's book? Um, so I'm, I think I'm a creative person, and I'm still trying to kind of figure out outside of football what I should be doing. But luckily, uh, I'm in a position where I'm able to play football while I figure that out. So um, that was something that I wrote in college. And it was just always, I always had it. And I was always like, I need to I have the feeling that I need to put this out. I, uh, there's something I need to get this out. And I had the time in Sacramento when I was there to kind of work on it. And I'd done it. And it was just a question of, let me put this out. I don't care what people think of it. I don't know if it's good or not. I didn't show anyone before. I just, I just worked like getting it out there and then the response has been incredible and the amount of schools I've been to to read to these kids and um, just the love I've received from it has been so rewarding so um, it was a a big part of my life that that book. Even um, throughout the league I thought it was really cool I remember seeing Sam Fink tweet a picture with um, you know reading it with his kids at night Mm -hmm. which is like has got to be such a a really humbling moment for you and, and a really cool way to kind of combine all facets of your life I'm sure yeah I, I still just last week the book came out in 2017 when I was at SAC and um just last week I received a picture from Katie Norton who is uh, one of the physical therapists at SAC Republic just a picture of her her son reading the book and going through the book and it's just it's crazy and I received those pictures uh, like every couple of months just from an old teammate or you know a friend of a friend that their kids reading the book and it's still just weird to me that I was able to create that I don't know it's so so special so can we expect a a second one in the works possibly my my off time has been more focused on uh finishing as you you can see but (laughs) there's definitely some um i've got i've got a sequel to clive and i've got uh, another one which is a different goes a different way but i've got another one but uh maybe next year maybe next year I love that. Well, obviously, what you're spending your time on now is um, really paying off. So, um, you, on top of the children's book, you also now have your own podcast, I Talk. So, I'm obviously going to allow you a shameless plug here, but <laughs> made you kind of want to get into the podcast industry. Uh, I don't need a plug. I don't need a plug. I think a lot of that was due to quarantine, and I still wanted to kind of connect a little bit I wanted to you know I've all, my mind always moves a million miles a minute so I've always got ideas I want to talk about um, and that was a cool way to kind of um, just kill some time and just talk about some stuff really that's what it was Thai talk so honestly since we got the return to play date my mind has just been fixed on playing I just it's the only thing I care about right now so the, the pod was just like the book it was like man I have this idea I think some people might appreciate it let me just put it out there and see what happens. And it was nice. It was got a great response and got to connect with a lot of people. Um, but now it's business time. So that's on the back burner. I love that. Buckle down now. And I appreciate you taking the time to hop on our podcast as, oh, as, busy, as busy as you are. But Tyler, um, I really enjoyed having you on today as always. It's, it's great to catch up and, um, Every, everything you had to say was so great. And I'm looking forward to seeing St. Louis as a front runner in, in Group E for the rest of our return to play. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, having me on as well. And like I said, we're just getting started there. So um, I, I can feel the goals. I can feel the goals coming. So just keep an eye on us.
I love that. I love that. Tyler, thanks so much for talking by. You take care. Thank you, Kelsey. You too. Hey everybody, this is Matt Van Opel of the Birmingham Legion, and we are here with Steel Sometime. Tyler Blackwood, what a guy. And I mean, honestly, Scott, how many professional athletes are also children book authors? Like, I, I will I will never get over that. It's the coolest story ever to me. A man of many interests and talents, Tyler Blackwood. Future. That should be his bio, honestly, on like all social media platforms moving forward. <laughs> all right, listen, week ahead. We, week six is um, coming on quick. Wednesday night slate is heavy. There's a, a lot of games right out of the gate there. Um, I think the first one that obviously piques the interest of, of you and I, Scott, is that Indy Hartford game. Uh, you, you spoke a little bit about what makes this interesting, but obviously Indy's coming off of a week where – their they they their restart that perfect restart comes to an end but Hartford kind of flying under the radar right now and like putting up some impressive showings flying under the radar too like should not be flying under the radar and yet they are and I think um this is going to be probably their toughest test of the season like maybe period in a way trip to Indy playing on Lucas Oil like it's a, it's obviously a different environment it's a different surface. It's going to ask a lot of questions of that Hartford side, but they've just been um, so impressively structured from the back all the way to the front that I'm definitely going to have eyes on that game. Um, one of many on Wednesday, like you already alluded to. Honestly, the second one too that I'm so excited to watch is that Atlanta Miami game. Yeah. Because I don't know if people realize we have not seen the Miami FC play since March. They're the only team left that has not made um, that that restart yet. So I, it's, it's hard for me even to imagine what this side is, is going to look like coming out of the gate. And you have to think that that there's going to be a, a few learning curves there. Like they're, they're experiencing what the rest of these teams experienced two, three weeks ago. That, that has to play a factor, no? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think especially for being one of the the clear fan and pundit front runners out of the gate back in March, like I think there are a lot of people who might have even forgotten about how talented this Miami FC roster is, how well it will translate on the field. Obviously, we'll all get a, a first look on Wednesday, but they've got some serious ballers who I think have a, a point to prove having seen everybody else do their thing for a couple weeks now. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Sebastian Velasco, I mean, he's one of the most like vocal guys on, on social media as well. And I know he's itching to get back. So it'll be interesting to see how um, that side, there's, there's quite a few uh, big names on there that we've just been missing seeing in action. Um, Hassan Adam, obviously. Um, so I'm interested to see what that group is, is going to look like here coming back to the restart. Another big question though, for me in week six, Scott, is this North Carolina and Birmingham matchup? Um, when I was going through Pickham today, I'm going to be honest, I immediately had Birmingham. And then I like looked back and I was like, wait a second, what did North Carolina do last week? And I went back through and I was like, you're right. They, they didn't even play last week. So in, immediately I made that switch to North Carolina because I will tell you what I saw in the second half of that North Carolina Tampa Bay Rowdies game is a team that I do not want to mess with. 
if, if I'm, you know, anyone in their group, let alone, um, you know, inner, inner group play. This, this, at its best, this North Carolina side is very disciplined and very, very, very talented. And they were missing a few pieces on that ta- on that game against the Tampa Bay Rowdies um, as well. I'm not sure if a lot of people realize that, but you you've got a, a week to rest, and on top of that, coming into a side like Birmingham, who's you know been playing nonstop, I have to think that North Carolina at home is a favorite here. Yeah, I think this is going to be really interesting for. Um, in terms of just one of the the neutral games of the weekend, like I think this is probably the pick of the bunch, right? Like North Carolina at home, um, I think Dave's going to have the guys ready to go. But at the same time, like Birmingham, I don't think they're going to have too many complaints about a 1-1 with the Rowdies last weekend, even though I think at home they you obviously want to take all three every time that you step on your own turf. But um, it's really, for me, it's going to be Birmingham's attack against North Carolina's defense, right? Like, Manny, Manny Perez, who is on loan from Celtic, playing the outside back for North Carolina, I was quick to, to compliment him and his, sort of his ability to fly up the wing. I'm intrigued to see if North Carolina is going to give him that much freedom this weekend because you find yourself as a fullback 50, 60 yards up the field, and you turn around and Nico Brett is sprinting the other way with Brian Wright and Bruno Lapa waiting in the middle. Like You're probably going to be in a little bit of trouble. So I think from a – pure like formation standpoint this is going to be one of the best games of the weekend because you've got an incredibly talented attack in Birmingham they are obviously strong defensively North Carolina I feel like can can put up one or two um at will so this is um I'm I'm gonna reserve my judgment I'll just follow your pick and and (laughs) we'll give them the home advantage listen I just would like to reiterate that pick them is Listen, I don't want to use the word such a joke, but like, this is nearly impossible coming out of the restart. Like, it's not fair. I'm looking at this and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know who's going to show up. I don't, I don't know how they're feeling. Like in, in this return to play scenario, Scott, pick them is like one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. That's why you're up there though. You know, we got to rely on the experts. Oh God. Well, Let's hope that uh, that Mike Watts can uh, can pull through for us because I'm not sure if I'm going to be pulling through on the expert side of things this week. <laughs> <laughs> Elsewhere uh, on week six, a few notable matchups: San Diego and Sacramento. San Diego's hosting now the second week in the row, so looking to get that uh, back-to-back wins at Torero Stadium. Um, and then I, another one that really intrigues me is Las Vegas and Reno. I think they're two sides that have a few question marks around them this year. Um, I'm going Vegas in that one, but um, very, very interested. I think it's one of those ones that could probably go either way. And this is a Vegas team that is not in the position they thought they'd be in right now, right? Like we all right. obviously thought Eric Winaldo would be leading them full steam ahead. And now it's Frank Yallop for the remainder of the season. And I don't think the expectation shifts, but boy, does the dynamic in the locker room have a different ring to it. So um, I'm interested. You don't have to answer this today, but especially if it doesn't go their way this weekend, I do need you to give me a a little bit of one-on-one on what the heck is up with Republic FC. What? what? Okay. So you know, doesn't have to be now. I'm just saying, L.A. and I, listen, falling to L.A. is not like the worst thing in the world. We've already seen some good teams go down to them this year, but I just feel like 
I'm waiting for a spark and the, I'm turning the key. I'm turning the key. I hear the engine ruddering and it's just not turning on yet. So I'm, I'm just interested in what the rest of their, um, their July and early August looks like. Okay, so I'll reserve that for the result against San Diego this week. And then um, I would like to go on the record now saying that um, Sacramento for the last two years has been the most hot and cold, unpredictable side. It, I, I, it honestly felt like game in and game out, you, re- like you really didn't know what was going to happen with them. And I, I don't know why that is. Well, they've got the Murray curse on Kamawasa right now. He shouldn't yes. have he shouldn't have put out the the goal number fifty column. We so. told him. We told him. Someone's got to break it. All right, week six coming in hot, a massive slate there starting on Wednesday. So don't miss any of that on ESPN Plus. Uh, Dave Wright, your moment is coming, my guy. It is time for an edition of Shots Fired with a little bit of a twist with Dave uh, taking the reins this week. So what do you got for us? Okay, so again, first time podcast, probably last time podcast, um, and I did I did listen last week, so I know that Scott Stu won, which maybe is not very typical. Yeah. That's pretty <laughs> much the run of the show here, Dave. Welcome. We're so, glad to have you. Yeah, no, no doubt. So it looks like you're going to be, you get to choose as far as what who goes first or something like that. Is that oh. right? Yeah. I- Okay. I'd, say, I'd say allow the question first, and then and then Scott can okay make his choice. Okay, here here it goes. It's uh, your go to order at Taco Bell, and your favorite nickname for Taco Bell. Okay, and you got thirty seconds. I'm happy to go because I'm I'm super. I'm pretty I'm pretty keen. This is going to expose me a little bit here, but I'm I'm keen on this one, Dave. I like this. Okay, are we ready? Yeah. Okay, take it away. As a, a classic dad joke connoisseur, I love Taco Smell just as much as Taco Bell, with all due respect to the incredible restaurant that is T-Bell. Um, yep. That's a close second, but um, go-to order is probably a Crunchwrap Supreme because I love those things. And then I'm still kind of a fan of the Doritos Locos Tacos. I know they've been around for a little while, but when you find what you like at that place, you really shouldn't venture too far off the beaten path so um yeah it's an easy answer for me i don't even know if i need all 30 right 30 you're done good oh that God. was strong maybe the first time i've ever beat the buzzer too which yeah wow. that, that was strong which is like so tough for you to do <laughs> yeah well we've been there multiple times oh god all right kelsey you ready oh dave good all right. luck <laughs> here we go okay do it. Yeah, so not a big Taco Bell fan, guys. Um, I don't know if I've ever had Taco Bell in um, normal hours, if you catch my drift. Um, but I guess my nickname I would go with it would be Fourth Meal. Um, and then my go-to order at about 2.30 a.m. is going to be a quesarito. The best combination of burrito uh, quesadillas smothered in the Diablo sauce. I like it hot. I like it spicy. And then make me hate myself when I wake up in the morning time wow for someone that doesn't like taco bell that was really really strong that was uh, strong i honestly like just put me in a competition against scott stewart and like everything comes out of me the fire yes. rises oh boy <laughs> yeah if you don't lead off with i don't like taco bell you win but i gotta give that one to scott stew wow 
So he's wow. two in a row. A 2020 representative of Hartford Athletic over here, you know, got a couple wins on the board, trying to stay under the radar. Let's not get cocky, everybody. Let's stay humble. <laughs> stay humble. Dave, thanks for uh, stepping in for our, our man Calvo today. You did a fantastic job. Great question. Um, bad choice in, in winners, but maybe we'll have you on later this season to redeem yourself. Uh, listen, a, a jam-packed week, week six coming our way. Shout out to Tyler Blackwood for for joining the pod as well. Um, we'll uh, no ESPN games as well this week, guys. So every single game on ESPN Plus, don't miss a minute of it. We'll catch you uh, next week.